Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we're talking about a really interesting topic. I think it's interesting. I think you might too, (laughs) if you've ever dealt with or wondered about the structure of a business. We're talking about the difference between trusts and companies, which structure you should choose and why. Now, talking to us today about this topic is Greg Will, the principal of the accounting practice Armstrong Dawson. Greg is no newbie in this field. He has a long history of experience as an accountant, both as principal of his practice, Armstrong Dawson, but also through his history as a partner within first and second tier professional service firms. So Greg brings us a really interesting viewpoint today about the differences between trusts and companies, about which type of structure should be used and when, and the issues that he's seen in the use of these entities. This is a really, really useful podcast episode if you're interested in the concept of structure or indeed if you are structured through a company or a trust and you really want to understand how that works and why you've been structured that way. So buckle in, here we go. listening to Talking Law, the podcast where business owners just like you discover how to avoid legal landmines and build value using smart legal tips. Join your host, Joanna Oki, as she cuts through the legal jargon and gives you clear and simple actionable legal strategies, which will get you optimal business results. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to Talking Law, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we have on the show Greg Will, the principal of Armstrong Dawson, to talk to us about the tricky subject of trust versus companies. So, Greg, welcome on board Talking Law. Thanks, Joanna. Glad to be here. I'm very glad you're here too, <laughs> because I <laughs> um I find that 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 this topic of business structures and trusts and companies is really confusing to a lot of people. So I think it's actually one of those episodes that I've wanted to record and talk more about for quite a long time. So I'm really glad we're doing it today. So I guess I'll start, Greg, by talking about the kinds of questions that I know are often floating around in my clients' heads because it's often discussions that I have with them. And then maybe we can just today just just chat about these differences between trusts and companies from a commercial perspective when we're running these beasts. So the sort of questions, you know, quite often my clients will understand companies and understand how companies work. But if their accountants have suggested operating out of a trust structure, so either a discretionary trust, if it's if it's just them, or if they've got partners, maybe out of a unit trust, they want to understand whether or not net net this is the right way to go. And so maybe from an accounting perspective, Greg, can you just tell us what the difference from an accounting perspective is with the two, and why might some of our listeners' accountants be suggesting trusts as opposed to companies in some instances? 
So the main reason, or the two main reasons why an accountant would suggest it, and I can, and there's sort of pros and cons to this, but the reason why they suggest it is that the ability to get the profits out of the business in a better tax-effective way, and I'll explain later why that's a little bit of a furphy in terms of how that can play out. Um, and the other way is that it takes away... Um, Joanna, we had a previous podcast on whether you should sell the shares or sell the business within a company. Um, if you structure as a trust, it takes away that complication or that decision because it doesn't matter when you've got a trust, there are no shares, so you're selling the business and it, and it can come out of the trust in a more tax-effective way. So the reason why, just to summarise, that an accountant would suggested is one, how the profits of the day-to-day -day business come out, and secondly, when you ultimately sell, it can take away some complication out of the sale process from a tax perspective. I think that's a really great simple summary because it's a tricky it's a tricky area and, and I don't necessarily always hear it so succinctly put. So that's perfect. Thank you, Greg. So now tell me what are your thoughts of using trusts in a business structure and who are they appropriate for, if anyone? So firstly, there's a, obviously just the day-to-day -day business and then there's a the sale. So from a day-to-day -day business perspective, and this is just my personal view, we would um, very, very rarely have a business structured through a trust structure. And the reason why that is the case is uh, I could spit off a number as long as your arm, but to to go to the main ones is that, as I said just earlier, an accountant would usually advise that to try to get a, a, a minimal tax outcome on the on the day-to-day -day profits of a business. Mm. The only reason that that would work for a client or for a business is only under two circumstances. One is, is if the business only ever made up to about $200,000 maximum of profits in any one year, and I'll explain why I say that, and or they've got a family of individuals that are over 18 years of age where they've got multiple um, members in that family where they can spread income across numerous different taxpayers. If you don't have a massive family, and I'm talking more than four in the family or five in the family, or you're making more than $200,000 a year in profits, a trust structure should never, ever be set up as the, as the vehicle for running your business. I love it. I think it's a, this, this is a really good conversation. Okay. And maybe can you drill into why you then say they should never be used unless you've got that extenuating circumstance, which I, I think most people who are in a trust structure probably don't. Yeah, so from a from a tax and accounting point of view, the reason why, so as I mentioned about splitting income, so as I mentioned that if you had um, a profit of 200000 and let's just say there was mum and dad in the business, and I'm assuming here they're not taking any salary, by the way, this is just the, they're taking no salary, so they're getting all their money out of the business by way of profit. Once you get a distribution out of a trust of more than $100,000 each, so i.e. mum and dad, $200,000 profit, splitting at 50-50, $100,000 each, you're on more than a 30% tax rate once you're getting more than $100,000. Now, a company only pays tax at 27.5%. So just there, you're paying more, you're paying 2.5% more 
by getting the monies out of the trust and what you would if you left them in the company. And I'll talk about how you'd, how you'd get them out once they were taxed. But also, as I mentioned, if you had a number of siblings or a number of aunties and uncles or a number of individuals in the family where you could split that 200,000 amongst five, six, seven, eight, nine people, obviously the tax rate on, on, on that money across all those people could be very, very, um, very, very small. But most people don't have, you know, numerous people in their families that are over 18 that they can distribute money to or are happy to get the money. And most people not only are wanting to take the profits, but they're also taking a salary or a wage out of the business also. So that $200,000 in profits I spoke about is on top of their salary or wage. So they're paying even a more significant rate of tax on top of that money. So again, to summarise, it's only really applicable for very small businesses that are making very small profits in order to structure that way because you can get a better tax outcome by again putting it into a corporate vehicle. The other thing that occurs to me over and above just the tax side, and I'd like to come back to the sale proceeds side uh, as well, because I think we should probably talk about that a little bit more to to continue doing justice to the discussion. But from a commercial viewpoint, what's your view? And I guess I may as well preface it by saying my view is in many instances, well, in most instances, companies give you more flexibility in terms of ease of bringing people in to, you know, taking people out from an equity position. And certainly I find that my clients understand companies better than they understand trust until they've had a bit of education. What's your perspective on some of those commercial elements? Oh, you're spot on. I mean, because as you know, a trust has what's called a trustee and um, most clients do not understand the difference between the trustee and the trust and they use the different names and different contexts and they can't, one, they can't understand their structure or how it works. To your point, particularly using a discretionary trust, there is no fixed entitlement to either ownership or to um, the ability to get profits out. So when you've got um, other individuals or, or, or arm's length individuals or investors, it's almost, it's the totally wrong vehicle. You then can have a unit trust where you do have what's called a fixed entitlement or a fixed percentage of the, of the ownership. But again, all of the profits have to come out of the business every year. And if the business needs money, you then have to loan it back, which causes um, loan account issues, what accountants call DIB 7A or, or unprecedented entitlement uh, UPE loans, which cause tax issues. So it creates a lot of complication in terms of the commercial and tax outcome. And then when you go to a bank to either get a loan or um, trade a business and provide um, credit history and things. Again, how you uh, put your, which entity you're putting on the applications, et cetera, or if you're getting yeah. loans, it just creates so much complication. And again, that we, you know, everyone's trying to make it easier, but it makes it so much more difficult. So where the, where the key difference is in my view is that trusts are very, very good for holding assets. And I'm talking about passive assets here. But you should never really have an operating business running through a trust structure. I'm glad you said that because that was literally what I was about to say. I was going to say, I, I don't want our listeners to be confused here by thinking that we're saying trusts are bad or that you shouldn't hold, you, you shouldn't have trust and you shouldn't hold assets in a trust. So an, an example, I think of potentially an easier viewpoint of the use of trust is the discretionary trust or family trust 
holding the asset of the shares in the company and the company conducting the business. What's your thoughts about on that side in relation to that use of the trust? Yeah, so to your point, that is the stock standard vanilla way any um, business owner should own or have their business structured. And I'm talking about a simple business here. They'd have the trading business in a company and the, and the and a family trust or discretionary trust would own the shares in that company. And that would give you, um, oh, that would optimise you to getting the best tax outcome in terms of the trading um, activities of the business and the sale of the business and give you all the asset protection and commercial advantages that you need to run the business successfully. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, and then if, if we if we just head back a little bit to your initial discussion about the, the differences in trusts and companies, what, one of the elements you talked about was the differences in sale proceeds. Um, and as you mentioned, we did talk about this on an episode of our sister podcast, The Deal Room. So if you're interested in hearing more about that and business structuring at the point of exit and some issues that commonly appear, then head over to our sister podcast, The Deal Room room. But for now, just I guess as a bit of a summary, can you talk a little bit about the difference between, say, selling the business, I guess, out of a company versus selling a business out of being held, you know, by a trust, I guess. So, and this being one of the driving reasons why accountants might suggest for some businesses to operate out of a trust structure. But if you aren't an advisor or um, a legal practitioner per se, I'll give you a very simple example. Think of a trust. Uh, advisors use the term a flow a flow through structure. So think of a bucket that's got no bottom to it. So whatever goes into that bucket has to come out the bottom or go out the other end. Whereas if you think of a company, it's got a bottom in it. So anything that goes in there must stay within that bucket. So the difference between when I'm using that analogy in selling a business is that if you sell the business and it's in a trust, whatever you get for the business comes flowing through the bottom of that bucket and comes out to the individuals or shareholders, well not shareholders, or whoever the discretionary trust wants to distribute that, that sales proceeds to and it goes through that way. If you've got a company, there's a, there's a base or a, or a bottom in that bucket so if you sell the business in that company, the proceeds get taxed and have to stay um, in that bucket or in, the, in that company. Um, but obviously, if you sell the shares in the company, then they, they sit outside that bucket, so it flows through to the shareholders. So if you use that analogy, you can see one flows through, and that's the trust, and one gets caught in the bottom of the bucket, that's the company. And that's why sort of the two differences in how um, a share sale would work if you could picture that in your mind. Mm. And so in that instance, if, we, if we're holding the business in a company and we, we um, have a business sale, we potentially might have to pay a lot more tax than if we sold the shares in the company or if we ran the business out of a trust structure, which would give us access to those concessions. We've talked about what your general position is in terms of your thoughts of using trusts as an operating vehicle. What does this, this impact of the sale proceeds, what does that have on your opinion of the use of trusts? Or how do you see your clients dealing with that issue if they're weighing up trading out of a trust versus trading out of a company? So, 
again, the um, the commercial considerations and legal considerations. You so just think of it this way: if you're listening to this podcast, you never ever see a, a large business, and then you can how you define large. Let's even talk more than um, five million dollars turnover, for argument's sake. You'd never really see a business of that size or larger structured in a trust. It would always typically be in a company, and there's a reason for that. And it's not um, the tax reasons aren't the main driver, but the reasons are more commercial, operational, and making sure how the ownership structure works. You just would not have your um, business structured in a trust. It is very much for very small businesses, and as I mentioned, that. Um, you don't really have to worry about selling a, the company or, or selling the company or the shares if you've got a trust because um, the, the concept doesn't doesn't come about with a trust structure, but with a company structure it does. And to get the same outcome, depending on how you hold your shares, that's why advisors would typically be telling you to sell the shares in your company if you're going to sell your business rather than sell the business within it because you'll get the same outcome as though you had a trust owning the business itself. Um, I know that you've got to think pretty hard about what I just said there because there's a couple of terms that cross over, but, um, but that's how you'd sort of look to do it. So I guess to summarise, what we're effectively saying here is whilst operating out of uh, trust for your operating entity can give you those potential tax benefits on sale as opposed to a company selling the shares. <laughs> you can deal with a company selling the business by instead selling the shares of the company rather than the business out of the company. But even if you're selling the business out of the company, there's still some potential concessions that might be available if you've held the business, say, for more than 15 years, aren't there? There are, but the complication is there. Um, so if you're selling the business out of the company, again, using my bucket analogy, the, the money that or the proceeds that you get for the sale stay with stay in the company or stay in the bucket. So the big question an accountant then has to raise is, how do we get that money out of the company or the bucket um, in the most tax-effective way? And that's where the tax hits. So even if you've got the business sale tax-free, um, the money sits in the company, you're not paying any tax, but you've got to get that money out. And the only way you can get that money out of the company is either by a dividend, which is going to get taxed, by salary or wages, which is going to get taxed, or by a loan, which at the end of the day, it's a loan, so you have to pay it back or you get taxed on it. So there's going to be tax on there in that um, situation if you sold the business within the company. So that's why that the small business concession is those other things don't really come into play when you're actually looking to sell a business within a company per se. I think this has been a really useful discussion. I hope we haven't confused our listeners because it's such <laughs> a it's it's a really but it, it's a difficult subject, isn't it? Because there's no absolute answer at the end of the day because you don't necessarily. Um, know exactly how you might in what way you might sell your business if you're intending to sell it one day you don't necessarily know whether you'll be forced into a business sale environment or, or you'll be able to use a share sale environment I, and I guess it's this grappling with the unknowns that can be difficult for many businesses and and for businesses that perhaps feel that they'll always be under this sort of 
five million or four million dollar size. I mean, do you just have a general and and you, you know I want to make it clear everyone should seek their own um, individual advice. We're not providing this is just a you know a general discussion here, so don't rely on this. But it's just more informational than anything. Great. Do you have a? It, it sounds like I'm I have a bit of a guess to your underlying position. I think you've probably said it, but just weighing up all of those pros and cons. Let's say for for our um, average small business out there who might be turning over, say, one to two million or, um, or or perhaps a bit under, what's your general approach in relation to what sort of structure they should be thinking about? So it doesn't come back to the turnover, Joanna. It comes back to the profitability. So again, I'm hoping that if you've got a business turning over one to two million, you're hopefully... Um, looking to make profits of more than 200 grand on that turnover. And as I pointed out, if, if we're, we're looking to maximise the profits um, and they're more than 200, um, you should have your business structured in a company. And ideally, as you said, um, with the shares owned by a discretionary trust, if it's all going to be owned by the one family, um, for setting it up in a, a trust structure does create complications once the business becomes successful. You've just made it really simple, Greg. There you go. <laughs> You've just thrown yourself into a position. I absolutely love it. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> well, look, that, that's absolutely fabulous. Um, I think we've covered some really important issues here today. Do, do you have any other sort of thoughts or uh, ideas or tips that you want to leave our listeners with in thinking about this area of business structuring? Yeah, I think you made a point earlier that we want to stress and I want to stress that trust structures aren't bad. I'm not, if I'm just talking about trust in relation to operating businesses, but trust structures are extremely important in terms of how you structure your affairs, particularly passive assets and assets you may have, and they're very, very good for succession planning. I guess the point we're both making is that You've got to use the correct vehicle for the correct approach and outcome. And if you do that, you'll get both lots of benefits. But if you're just driving at an outcome for one particular reason or using a trust in, in, in what I would uh, deem to be an, an operational type of approach, you can um, lead into problems that you probably didn't foresee when you first set it up. Mm, I love it. That is a very, very good summary, Greg. <laughs> Fabulous. Well, Greg, I just want to say an absolutely massive thank you to you for coming on to the show today. If our listeners out there are now very confused about their own structure and feel that they want a little bit of advice <laughs> for their business, how can they contact you? There's two um, best ways. I guess the first is just giving me a call. Direct number is, it's a Sydney number, 02 82985308 or just shoot me an email on gwill at armstrongdawson.com.au and more than happy to come back and give you a few pointers as to answer to your questions and hopefully point you in the right direction. Absolutely brilliant. Well, thank you, Greg. Um, I've loved this. I hope you've enjoyed it too and I hope you, the listener, have as well. That's it for this episode of Talking Law. Just as a quick recap, obviously in this episode we were talking all about trusts and companies, which structure you should choose and why. So we 
looked at the differences between the two. We looked at when maybe a trust might be appropriate and why trusts may not be appropriate where a business is earning a profit of more than 200000 a year. So hopefully you found that overview useful and interesting. Hopefully it answered some of the questions that you may have had. If you'd like more information about the topic, then all you need to do is head over to our website at talkinglaw.com. And through that website, you'll be able to make contact with Greg Wheel if you'd like to talk to him after hearing the discussion today. And there you will also be able to find details of how to contact our lawyers at Aspect Legal if you need help with any legal elements of structuring. Finally, if you enjoyed what you heard today, then I'd be extremely grateful if you'd pop over to your favourite podcast player and leave us a review and make sure you hit subscribe if you haven't subscribed to Talking Law before today. And of course, as we talked about in the episode, we have another episode of a sister podcast of ours, The Deal Room Podcast, where we talked with Greg all about structure related to exit or sale of a business. And so if you're interested in those elements, then pop over to your favorite podcast player and just type in The Deal Room and uh, you'll be able to find that episode. Well, that's it. Thanks again for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and Talking Law. See you next time. looking for a top quality legal team to assist you in your organisation? Aspect Legal is an innovative commercial legal practice that specialises in providing fast and professional services for their clients. If you'd like to chat about how we might be able to assist you, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au to book in a time for a free discussion with one of our lawyers. While you are there, you might also like to check out our innovative product, Legal on Tap. Our SME version of this product provides a business with access to a team of lawyers to answer questions as they come up in the business. And our large business version also provides this access to our team of lawyers to ask questions, but it also provides a wide range of online-based training in contract law for non-lawyers. Both of these products are available for a ridiculously low monthly price. If you're interested, simply head over to our website at aspectlegal.com.au and check out our legal on-tap pages or head over to our contact page and submit a form to let us know that you would like more information. Thanks for listening to Talking Law. Tune in next time for more smart legal tips and tricks to keep you clear of those legal landmines. If you want to get a download of today's show notes, head over to talkinglaw.com.au. Information in this podcast is general in nature, not legal advice. If you want advice for your business, visit talkinglaw.com.au.